Welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions, hosted by author, speaker, coach, and singer-songwriter Creelan Peters, also known as the Fear Whisperer. Listen in as Creelan interviews powerful people who have tamed their fears, learned to embrace their greatness, and gotten out of their own damn way. And now, Creelan Peters. Hi, and welcome back to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions. I'm Creelan, your host. Today, I'm welcoming a wonderful guest, Wendy Whitmore. And before I bring her on the line, I just want to share a little bit more about her. Wendy is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a life coach. As an expert clinician and life coach, she works with her clients to develop their goals and tailor their treatment plan to meet their particular needs. As a wife, mother, and business owner, she empathizes with her clients and their daily struggle to maintain balance in their life and works with them to achieve a sense of emotional and mental stability. As a result of working with Wendy, her clients are able to embrace life struggles while maintaining a healthy balance of life and love and keep their emotional and mental stability intact. Oh, that sounds perfect. (laughs) Wendy has over 10 years' experience working with couples, families, children, adolescents, and individuals seeking treatment for depression, survivors of trauma and abuse, and life adjustments. She has extensive experience in private practice, school, group home for at-risk youth ages 12 to 18, and hospital specializing in adolescent intensive outpatient care and adolescent um, IOP settings. As a published writer, motivational speaker, guest lecturer, and community activist, Wendy has a passion for freeing individuals of the grudges and struggles that keep them from living life to its greatest potential. She teaches the motto, if it is not enhancing your life, it has no place in your life. Wow, that is quite an introduction. Welcome, Wendy, to the Jam Sessions. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Absolutely, and I just love reading all this about balance and kind of what I imagine. And you and I have spoken before, and we've yes. been connected for a while. So I know, like the this theme of balancing that work and family and business and healing and la 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 la. I mean, obviously the list goes on. I just read a ton of information about all the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you. Yes, yes, it is one of the most challenging things. (laughs) Yes, and I'm sure we are going to get to that, and that's actually a good little segue. So my first kind of question is just really to tell us a little bit more about your story and those challenges and how you've had to learn how to get out of your own damn way. Oh, my goodness. So getting out of my own damn way has been an extreme challenge. And the reason I say that is because I am a perfectionist at heart. Mm -hmm. And when you are a perfectionist at heart, you end up sabotaging your own greatness. And so because I have sabotaged a lot of things, it's crazy because I was just talking to a client about this yesterday. I said there's been many opportunities that opened up that I was too afraid to leap or I thought about too long and so that door closed. And there are many blessings I missed out on because I was living in fear of failing. Mm -hmm. So when you're a perfectionist, you're afraid to fail. But if you never fail, you never know what works. And if you never know what works, you're never going to succeed. 
Mm -hmm. So you see how that vicious cycle works? Yes, I do. I've lived it. I've breathed it. I've embodied it. Yes. (laughs) And I've learned to overcome it, too. So I totally know where you're coming from. Yeah, it's been been a journey. Um, And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, I always tell my clients, you know, my, the best thing besides getting paid, because it's my job, so of course I want to get paid to provide therapy, but one of the best things that I get out of being a therapist is having to gut check myself often, mm-hmm. having to look myself in the mirror, having to be transparent, having to, you know, have those, you know, truth moments that I have with my client with myself. And it keeps me very humble. It keeps me um, a lot more low-key than I used to be, and it keeps me out of a lot of drama. Because when you start to have truth moments and when you start to get out of your own damn way and when you start to have faith and believe in what you can do, drama seems to just kind of start to um, – it's always there, but now you, now you recognize it more as drama. Like, oh, that's BS. I'm not going to let that get in my damn way. Let me go the other direction. And so being a yeah. therapist has made me a better person. Oh, that's great. I, I love to hear those stories. Um, I, and I, I agree. I think that when we can embrace the stuff that we tell our clients um, and use it as our own truth and walk our walk and talk our talk, that it can be such a blessing to our own sanity. And, and, and it really provides that model, too, for other people who can kind of see that we're not just trying to blow smoke up their butt. <laughs> Right, right, right. And I think a lot of times clients come to therapy and their assumption is that um, they're going to come in, it's going to be white walls, it's going to be very blank and bare. I've got like a chocolate brown couch, I've got a teal wall, Uh Um, I've got amazing, you know, things and, you know, just affirmations. There's pictures of my family up because I want you to know I'm a real person. Um, And it does, it I let them know that I'm not telling you anything that I haven't experienced myself, tried myself, or uh, or seen some long-term results, not just the short-term, not the glitz and the glam and, you know, everything's pretty and hugs and kisses and rainbows, as I call it, mm-hmm. but long-term results that, you know, I'm not going to sell you, you know, um, something that looks like platinum and it's, you know, like that really cheap silver. Like, I'm not going to do that to you because then that speaks to me who – as to who I am as a person. Absolutely. I, I totally get that. And one of the things that you mentioned, and I wrote it down, was the word drama. And I love that you brought that up because what I've noticed, and I'm curious what, what your thoughts are, Wendy, but I've noticed that, like you said, drama is still there, but what I notice is it's less my drama and it's more other people's drama that I'm, I'm responding yes. to. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And and not to say that I don't create my own drama. I certainly do. And I I think I just posted something on one of your relationship questions on Facebook about online dating. So we won't Mm -hmm. go there because I still experience some drama in that area of my life. But (laughs) in most other areas of my life, I'm pretty drama-free. And I think that's what attracts people to me and people like you as well, that we've learned to kind of – silence the, the right. own drama in our lives. Right. And, the, and the, the part that when you when you decide to get out of your own damn way and you decide to 
steer clear of drama because you know that it's not enhancing your life. That's where that, that quote that I came up with, um, if it's not enhancing your life, it has no business being in your life. So if drama's in your life and you're not, you're not getting um, respect for it, you're not making money off of it, um, it's not um, making your brand more marketable, um, it's not making you a better person, why is it in your life? And when I decided to get out of my own damn way, I pulled out of the drama. I used to love to function in chaos and dysfunction mm-hmm. and drama because it meant that I was relevant in my thick and twisted brain. It meant that um, people were talking about me. It meant that, you know, um, I was involved. I grew up as an only child pretty much, and so things going on around me, I always needed to have stimulation. And when I decided to get out of my own damn way and steer clear of drama, I realized that a lot of those people that I felt I needed to have attachments to so that I wasn't lonely weren't necessary. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, some of them, some of those people turned out to be family members because I just mm-hmm. decided I had to steer clear. And God knows I love my family, and God knows that, you know, I appreciate um, a lot of, I have a really huge family. My mom has uh, 13 brothers and sisters, so a very big family. But um, I've learned that I don't need to be in the midst of the drama, and I can mm-hmm. see it taking place. And I don't even have to be what I call Captain Saver. I don't even have to be Captain Saver and swoop in in the midst of the drama and try to fix things. Now, I don't need to be that person either. I don't need to be Olivia Pope on Fixer from Scandal. I'm a, you know, I'm a little bit of that job. I love that show, yeah. Then it, creates, then it creates drama in my life that's unnecessary. So when you get on your own damn way, you're not only steering clear of your own drama, you're steering clear of wanting to be the fixer and fix other people's drama. Absolutely. I I love that. And I I just, I'm all lit up right now because one of my favorite topics to talk about when it comes to letting go of setting boundaries is the blood relatives. I Mm -hmm. am the poster child for setting really strong boundaries with certain family members and cutting off ties with certain family members at what other people might say is not the most opportune time to do that. Um, however, we have to take care of ourselves. And in order to take care of ourselves, that sometimes means letting go of whatever's causing that drama. And I just love that you brought that up because it's something that a lot of people aren't talking about, and yet it really needs to be talked about. It's, it's kind of born, at least what I think is kind of born out of um, former generations of, you know, let's sweep it under the rug. We don't talk about it. They're your, you know, they're your parent. They're your aunt. They're your uncle. You, you have to talk to them. You have to love them. You have, it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, <laughs> abuse is abuse is abuse. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if you are not being treated in a respectful way, then you have a decision to make. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that speaks volume to, um, I always told my clients, choose you. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you have to choose you. A lot of mothers um, have a very difficult time choosing them. And I tell them, if your desires, wants, and needs aren't being met by your mate or even your children, you're going to start to be resentful with always putting them first. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to need you to put you first and make sure that your needs, wants, and desires are being met so that you can help fulfill those of your children and those of your mate. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? Me first? My my children don't come first? Negative. Because if you're sacrificing everything for your children and they're not even respectful, loving, caring, kind children, 
you're going to be resentful. And even if they are kind and caring and respectful children, you're going to have this emptiness inside of you because of the fact that your children, but I'm not, not your children, I'm sorry, because of the fact that your dreams are going unfulfilled. Your mm-hmm. needs are going unmet. Your wants aren't being, aren't being met. So it's kind of like, you know, in order to choose you, you have to sometimes make the hard choices. And sometimes that means some people can no longer be involved in your circle. And sometimes you have to shrink your circle or even expand it and step outside the box of who you're normally comfortable being with mm-hmm. so that you can stretch and grow. It's so true. It is absolutely so true. I totally agree with that. And I love that phrase, choose you. I think that's great. And I do, I work with so many women too who have that difficulty. We are conditioned to, I just wrote an article series about unraveling the good girl and just getting rid of those preconceived notions that we're supposed to be people pleasers, that we're supposed to just go on not making waves, you know, not um, bucking up against the status quo, that kind of thing. And and the other piece of what you just said, too, is how important is it for us to model to our children what that looks like. If we're modeling that we come last in our own lives, or as I call, we are at the bottom of our own priority list, then we're also feeding into this notion this egocentrism that young kids all come into the world with, but we want them to get out of that because we want them Mm -hmm. to grow up into mature, respectful adults. So Mm -hmm. we're doing them a disservice by not letting them see that it is so important for the head of the household or the matriarch or the patriarch, because this is just as important for men to take care of themselves as well. And and for parents to, to have that time. And if there's a couple, then for the couple to have their time. But if everything is always just about the children, just about the children, then kids grow up with this idea that, ooh, the world revolves around me. And, you know, we mm-hmm. could go on and on about the social implications of that, I'm sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the, and the sad part is, is that, you know, um, People always tell me I have a 17-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. Well, he'll be 12 soon. And people always say, oh, you're so mean and hard and hard on them. And I'm like, no, negative. I expect for us to start to develop a reciprocal relationship. They're going into young adulthood. And if I continue to allow them to be self-centered, they're going to grow up to be jerks and buttholes as adults. Like no one's going to want them to be involved with them or be in a relationship or a partnership or any type of business venture because they're going to be self-centered and egotistical. So if I don't create a relationship with them as they're young, you know, and teach them and instill them about having reciprocal relationships, mm-hmm. then when will they learn? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So something just came to my mind as you were talking about that, the flip side of being self-centered. What are your thoughts on the martyrdom or the not taking care of ourselves in lieu of taking care of others as a form of selfishness? So there's the good selfish and the bad selfish. The good, bad, and the ugly, right? Mm-hmm. The, good, the good side of selfish is self-care is love, and so you have to choose you in order to practice self-care. Now, the bad side of selfishness is that you are self-centered and egotistical, 
and think that, you know, the sun rises and sets on your pachuca back there. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we distinguish the difference? I'll give you an example. Um, I have a chronic condition, and so um, there's just certain things that I cannot do because of my chronic condition. And as I've gotten older, um, things that I can and can't do are, are limited. So when it comes to making it to all my children's events and this and that and this and that, I no longer exhaust myself just to be at everything for my children. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean that I'm not at anything? Not at all. Does that mean that sometimes I don't hit up multiple things? I do. But then there's times where my body starts talking and I sit down because self-care is love and I'm going to choose me. Mm -hmm. Now, if if I never go to any of their events, if I never support them, drop them off at practice, sit down and, com- you know, conversate with them, well, yeah, now that's the bad selfish because I'm being self-centered and egotistical. Mm-hmm. Did I answer and, your question? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no, it, it it does, but I, I, I did want to kind of frame it because I, I, I like the shock factor sometimes when talking about things. <laughs> and, I you know, I can't stress enough how important self-care is, and I know a lot of us just kind of toss it around as some, you know, kind of trite phrase. Uh, but it is so imperative that we that we take care of ourselves, and and I get on my soapbox about it, and and I think it's almost um, it, it can be perceived as that what you say that bad selfish of of because I equate it also with the martyrdom side of things of like well then mm-hmm. it's the victimhood it's the poor me my kids aren't listening to me or, or whatever it is. And so I just, I like that shock factor of like shocking people into thinking of it in that different way because that's how important it is. It's important for us to take care of ourselves in the good way so that we can avoid being seen in the bad way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that um, when we when we want to frame self-care as being selfish, um, it's because, and I think when other people want to want to label that, you know, oh, you're selfish because you're, it's all about you, it's all about you. And I think that that just speaks volumes as to the fact that they're jealous mm-hmm. because, they, because they're not making it all about them. Um, they're trying to figure out how you're making it all about, about you. They're trying to figure out how you look good, and I don't just mean the physical. I'm talking about the glow, the light, you know, this, this Yes. The thing that you have, the it thing that's going on within you. They're trying to figure out how you're doing that and still being who you need to be for the people that you love. Mm-hmm. So instead of them humbling themselves and saying, hey, show me, guide me, teach me, help me stretch and grow, they want to hate on you instead and say, oh, you're just selfish and self-centered. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I get that too. Um, and, you know, as I grow more into myself, as I get better able to bounce back from situations and get out of my own damn way faster and more efficiently, I'm able, it's almost like I don't see as much of that because I just don't pay attention to it. Like if if someone starts to act that, I'm just like, whatever, you know, and I just kind of look the other way and and I just don't pay it no mind. Um, Right. And that's, that's, I think, kind of brings us a little back to where we started with this whole (laughs) (laughs) side shoot of I don't know how we got on this topic but of of that drama and it just kind of like rolls off of you because you're just not you're not paying attention and and there's you know that concept of what you focus on expands um so you know my my friend just bought a new car and she notices that type of car everywhere she goes now 
You know, it's just that's when we're focused on something, we see it everywhere. Yes, very true. Very, very true. Very, very true. My my kids are the same way. Like, they'll be like, hey, there goes, you know, and, and I think it's because what we choose to focus on um, becomes our focus. So if you choose to focus on your health, it becomes your focus. If you choose, and that's a funny thing, because when people choose to focus on their health, people start to get um, funny, you know, not just health, just anything that when we focus on something positive, and again, I think it's because it's a reflection of their lack of mm-hmm. being able to do the same thing, or they don't believe that they're going to yield the same type of results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I, I totally get that. And and the other side of that, too, though, I, I, because I see that, but I also see a lot of people helping each other out. You know, the the colleagues that I associate with, like you, you know, we're all of that same mind of, you know, it's not about the competition. I think that's where we get into trouble is when we start comparing ourselves to other people and mm-hmm. things so personally, like, oh, my gosh, you know, that person got to do this and, and I'm I'm not good enough and I how come I can't do that instead of, like you said, you know, show me the way, um, and, right. and looking to people as, wow, you're a little bit further along on this particular journey. Can I ride your coattails a little bit and and shadow you and and what I call like stalk people online? I'm like, oh, I want to learn that, so I'm going to follow right. you. <laughs> so, right, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with saying that you don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, geez, we're not supposed to be experts on everything. We're not. Yay! <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that, that, that crazy notion of perfection and needing to be perfect and needing to, you know, it's like, no, no. I Although I'm a therapist, I'm not an expert in everything. No. Right. And this is another thing that, and it's funny because I, I counsel a lot of um, therapists in training, so they're getting their master's. And, you know, they come in and they have, like, the book version of what to do. And then they have – and then I come in and I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, I get it. I know what we have to learn, you know, to get the degree, to pass your, your boards, to get licensed. But no one's talking about cognitive behavioral therapy in therapy because clients have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so if you want to be relatable and if you want to be able to, you know, teach and you want to be able to – stretch and grow yourself, you're going to have to humble yourself and learn from someone else who's been doing it successfully because you don't have to be the expert. I'm not the expert in everything. Mm -hmm. I have clients come in with new things. I'm like, oh, but you know what I do? I go find the answers for them. And if I can't, then I'm not going to hold them back. I'm going to refer them to someone that can help them right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. If it's just something that I'm not able to grasp or a concept or you know, I have some counter-transference for whatever reason. You know, I'm going to humble myself and get them the help that they need, regardless of if I'm the person that's going to deliver it to them. And that brings up another good point of knowing our limitations. You know, I know all the jargon you're talking because I have been a therapist myself, but um, but it doesn't just pertain to mental health professionals. It pertains to anyone in any area of life, any you know, any profession, anything, is knowing our limitations and when we need help, and I find as all part of that perfectionism, because I totally have that gene too, that it can be so difficult, first of all, to admit you need help. That's 
the first issue. And then the second issue is actually actively asking for help. Right. It's right. just it's it's mind boggling how our, our mind plays tricks on us to, to keep it from right. <laughs> like I mean, my superwoman cape, I, it's in the closet right now, but, you know, sometimes it creeps back out and wraps itself around my shoulders. <laughs> right. That's why I call it the Captain Save Us uh, uh, syndrome. <laughs> you want to go and swoop in and save and, and be, you know, the, 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 the woman of the hour, the man of the hour, you know, and it's like, wait a second, like, who told you to go fight everybody's battle? Who told you everybody needed rescuing? Who told you that you were supposed to fix? Clients come in all the time and say, you know, oh, can you fix our marriage? Can you fix? And I'm like, yeah, because you're not broken. <laughs> I was like, you might be heartbroken, which is why you're acting the way you are and doing the things you're doing. You might feel betrayed, but we can work on mending your heart. We can work on rebuilding the trust. Mm-hmm. But you're not like a broken piece of glass that we need to put back together. Like, yeah, no, I'm not a fixer. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's there was a, a saying back in in my day of therapy of you never work harder than the client. <laughs> right. <laughs> as soon as I felt like I was working harder than the client, and and I still do that as a coach now too. Is you know then we have a conversation when I feel like I'm putting more effort into it, then it's yeah, this isn't working. <laughs> we, right. we, we need to come up with a different plan together here. <laughs> right. Right, because obviously you're not a part of this plan because I'm I'm the driver, I'm right. the navigator, I'm the passenger. Like, wait a second, wait yeah. a second. Like, isn't this your journey? I'm supposed to be on the journey with you, but not my journey. Mm-hmm. I yeah. wanted to ask you, too, I wrote down this wonderful thing that you said right at the beginning about sabotaging your own greatness. And great, greatness is part of my message. Embrace your greatness is one of my, my taglines. And I would love if you could share a little bit more about what that means and what that's meant personally for you. Like, how have you done that? So, oh, my goodness. Um, so I grew up mainly as an only child. And because of that, um, my mother was very um, – and my mother was a young mother – so she was very determined not to, um, for me not to fail. Mm-hmm. So she put me in multiple things, and I excelled at a lot of things. And I became the pedestal child that mm-hmm. everybody compares their children to. Um, look at what Wendy's doing. Look at Wendy's grades. Wendy can play the piano. Wendy acts. Wendy sings. Wendy runs tra- I mean, like, I was just like an all-around kid. And um, what it did was it, it kept me in a state of fear. Because I was always afraid of messing up. And I remember as I became an adult, it was the same thing. And it wasn't until I was getting my master's and um, I got pregnant and I miscarried. Hmm. And instead of me taking time off and really just kind of healing and, and, you know, and, and talking with my husband about it and even my children, um, I just went right back, like, a week later and started working on my thesis. Mm-hmm. And then I miscarried again, got pregnant and miscarried again. Well, one of my issues has always been that as soon as things start to fall apart, 
I start to blame myself. Mm-hmm. And so because of me blaming myself, I missed out on some really great opportunities um, after after that period of time, after the two miscarriages. And I look back, and then me and my husband separated. Um, I mean, it just became a huge, huge ordeal. And I look back, and I look back, um, you know, one day, and I said, oh, my goodness, I'm missing out on a great life. Mm-hmm. I'm missing out on great opportunities because I'm so afraid and I was so angry and I was so full of resentment and I'm like, what am I doing to myself? Mm-hmm. So for me, it was it was a really eye-opener that um, I had to stop living in fear in order to embrace the greatness of who I am. I wouldn't tell people my story. Um, I, I was very sheltered. I was I was a, I was a different kind of therapist and life coach back then. I was very um, fake and superficial. And it wasn't until I started sharing my story and being transparent and getting out of my own damn way and accepting that my story is my greatness. Mm-hmm. And it's my story that connects people to me. It's my transparency that brings clients to me. Um, it's what keeps me with a thriving practice, both life coaching and in therapy. So, um yeah, it was it was a really tough truth moment for me to say, you know, Wendy, let go of that need for perfection because mm-hmm. you're great just the way you are and the things that you've gone through have only made you stronger. So yeah, I can was, so relate to that. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing because I I, I totally relate to that idea of that hidden self. I, my mother was seriously mentally ill, and um, part of her illness was sharing different pieces of herself with different people. And so I grew up with that paradigm of always needing to keep something hidden. There was always something that needed to be hidden. You couldn't be completely visible. And it's it's amazing what, what transformation I found, too, when I started to share more and more of my story about not only that, but it's just about my fear in general, my fear of leaving being a, a therapist, which, I, you know, it was, it's such a high level in my field, and I just I walked away and nobody understood it. And it's like, you don't have to understand. <laughs> this is just mm-hmm. what I need to do, and, and here's kind of why. Um, but just owning that, and I, I love that you're able to see you know, and of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. But also looking at all of the lessons you learned during during those um, during those challenging times, and and seeing those missed opportunities, and now being able to to see where it brought you and where that turning point was for you, and how it's been able to now bless you in bringing mm-hmm. you more clients and more um, of your successful business. Right. Right. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's when we just, when we decide to just get out of our own damn way, literally, (laughs) things start to open up, and we start to uh, really hone in on where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I ran from couples work for a long time Mm -hmm. um, because I was like, 
man, me and my husband were separated, and we got married at 20, and, we, were, you know, like we made a lot of mistakes. But I find that that's the reason couples come and talk to me <laughs> because they're like, oh, so you've been through some things. You yeah. haven't just learned these methods and these, you know, you know, go to these conferences and these workshops where they, where they have these theories and all these different things. You've lived it. Oh, so you know what a good marriage looks like. You know what a bad marriage. You know what a marriage has fallen apart. You know, I mean, like, it's, it's amazing. And so I mm-hmm. think once we embrace our struggle, you know, we figure out, who we are, and then we can figure out where we're supposed to be, and then it leads us to what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, I, I that's totally part of my philosophy too. Is that we're <laughs> here, we are, we go through our own challenges in order to be able to teach other people how to go through theirs. And and there's so many of us out out there, you, me, and tons of other people. Everyone I've interviewed on this show so far, I'm sure everyone I will interview in the future who. We are called into our work through our own personal journey, and mm-hmm. and so it, it's it's amazing to see that and to see where everyone's story leads them to because it's different and and people connect with you because of that. People connect with other people because of a piece of their story, and 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 there's enough to go around, and and there's enough healers out there to help everybody in in different and unique ways and oh my gosh i'm on a soapbox again wait a minute <laughs> that never happens okay <laughs> la, 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 la. yes i do that <laughs> anyway we're just about out of time i can't believe it went so fast here um i know it's just it's just amazing um but let let our audience know wendy how they can get in touch with you if they would like to find out more you can get in touch with me at wendywhitmore.com really simple i have another website but it's linked to it's almost easier for people to remember my name so wendy whitmore w-e-n-d-y-w-h-i-t-m-o-r-e.com you can find me on facebook wendy l whitmore um, you can just put in Wendy L. Whitmore. You can Google me. I love that. You can Google me. That's me accepting my greatness. You can Google Wendy L. Whitmore and find out where to find me if you can't remember um, my website, but it's my name, so it's pretty simple. Great. Wonderful. So I would encourage anyone out there who is drawn to, to Wendy and her story and her work to reach out and, and talk with her and contact her and let her know how awesome she is and, and if you would uh, like any assistance with any of the wonderful things that she does. Um, so as we wrap up, Wendy, do you have any final tips for the audience on how to get out of your own damn way? Absolutely. Um, what I want to leave everyone with is sometimes we look in the mirror and we hate who we see. And the reason we hate who we see is because we have not yet learned that we are amazing, that we are beautiful, that we are incredible. And I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about when we look past what we see in the mirror and we actually look at who we are. I hope that makes sense because what I'm really trying to get at is that, you know, you have to be able to see past the skin color, the eye color, the hair texture, whatever it is, you have to be able to see within you. And so a lot of times we look in the mirror, we look away. Or we don't want to um, we don't want to focus in on who we truly are because we're afraid. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows that fear is false evidence appearing real. So you have to figure out what's triggering that fear. Conquer it. 
and then use it as your power because the things that we're afraid of are usually the things that we're afraid to go out and try or who we're afraid to go out and be. And that is our power, who we are, what we do. That's our power. And so to get out of your own damn way, you need to take a good look in the mirror. Excellent. And then who you are. Yes. Take a look in the mirror and accept who you are and way past the physical into the deep inner character stuff. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Wendy, for being a guest on the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. You have a great rest of your day. Oh, thanks. You too. And thank you all for listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions. Be sure to stay tuned for more awesome guest interviews. You've been listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions with Creelan Peters. Join us next time for more inspirational stories and invite your friends to join us at www.creelan.com slash getoutofyourwayinterviews. That's www.krylyn.com slash getoutofyourwayinterviews. Thanks for tuning in.